Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. It is officially time to begin one of my favorite exercises we do here at CR, a tradition that began last season, but one we hope to carry into each and every college tennis season moving forward. That, of course, is an exercise we refer to as NCAA Press Row, where I attempt to speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches prior to the start of the NCAA Tournament round of 16. Now, each of these conversations you'll hear over the next few days will be relatively similar in format. I want to talk to each of these coaches about their NCAA opening weekends, what allowed them to advance to this NCAA Sweet 16. Then I want to recap the season, where things stand. I want to talk about each team's best win of the year, the match they perhaps would like to replay the most from the course of the season. We'll talk about the team MVP, the most improved players that have made the success possible for all of these teams this season. Then, of course, I got to pick the coaches' brains about some big picture topics. I want to talk about the Super Regional format going to the top eight seeds for this round of 16 versus the traditional all-sweet 16 matches are played at one location format. What do these coaches prefer? Still very early in the exercise of determining if the Super Regional is worthwhile, but always fun to hear the coaches' initial reactions. And then, of course, we'll try to preview all of these Sweet 16 matches. I will try to coax as many match calculi as I I can from each of these coaches. What is their pathway to four points? How do they project their team's success moving forward throughout the NCAA tournament? We'll talk about all of that and so much more. Again, have a jam-packed week of content prepared for all of you listeners as we get all of you ready for the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. Of course, you're going to be able to find each of these conversations both here on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed as well as on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, you will also hear the same intro outro on each of these podcasts. I do apologize for that fact. Just makes life a little bit easier, a little bit cleaner for both myself and super producer Daniel Westoff. But again, over the next five days, I will attempt to speak with each and every men's and women's head coach remaining in the 2022 Division I NCAA tournament. Of course, the reason we're able to do that here on the Cracked Interviews podcast is because of the support we get from all of you college tennis fans out there who have tuned in week in, week out. We are immensely grateful for that fact. Also, I have to give a huge shout out to our friends at Swing Vision, who, of course, are on the forefront of all artificial intelligence innovations happening within the tennis world. If you are a college tennis head coach listening to these podcasts, if you are a player, if you are someone with high-level tennis aspirations, download the Swing Vision app today. You'll have access to more data, more things to improve your tennis game than you ever had before, all within the palm of your hand in an app on your phone. So again, learn more about our friends at Swing Vision by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. I promise all of you, it is the most efficient way to improve your game in the modern day. A huge thank you to our friends at Swing Vision. Use that promo code CRACK20 when you sign up. But again, appreciate all of their support for this show. With that said, again, press row coming up. Going to try and speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches before the start of the NCAA round of 16. With that in mind, let's get to this interview. Hey, crack fans. 
Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of of course, friends who use our Cracked Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code CRACK20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link? To get signed up, just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Joining us on the podcast for the first time today is a coach you know best as uh, arguably the coach who played the match of the opening weekend of the 2022 NCAA tournament. Of course, her Auburn women's tennis team, one of the rising stars of this 2022 season as well. Welcome onto the show, head coach Caroline Lilly. Coach, welcome to the program. How are you doing today? Thank you so much. Good. Enjoying this Texas heat, getting ready to go for a match tomorrow at noon. Um, but yeah, certainly excited to join you guys. Is that the toughest transition as you walk off the airplane? And you're like, wow, it really is 95. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you don't see that weather in May very often. And so obviously being in Alabama, we have had some warm days, but we got here a couple of days early knowing that it was going to be hot, knowing there was going to be some humidity. So we've adjusted well. We probably have an easier time adjusting than some of the colder weather schools that were here last week to play Texas, uh, but definitely a little bit of an adjustment for us. Did I feel the shot across the bowel there at my Michigan Wolverines? I did, but I'm going to let it slide anyway. <laughs> okay. That yeah. was not a shot at Michigan. I <laughs> no, promise. I'm just kidding. I'm just, just kidding. Tough. Yeah, no. But they had, I think they had triple digits last weekend. Uh-oh. So we're, we're fortunate with like a 95. I'll take it. I was talking to Ronnie and she's like, Alex, there's not enough sunblock in the world to prepare us for this. Like it's going to be (laughs) a difficulty here as we deal with this heat. But, uh, you know, obviously looking at your team and I want to talk about the Sweet 16 and I want to talk about a lot of things here on today's show. But let's start with that second round match for your team to drop the double. And you guys, you know, 22 and five overall in the year. Doubles has been something you've prided yourselves in all season long to drop that doubles point and be able to find the four singles victories. Your thoughts on last week's performance from your team. I think the biggest thing for us is everybody's performance in singles was impressive. I mean, obviously we dropped two of those matches, but to have every single person fight the way they did to put themselves in a position uh, to at least make their match long and make it incredibly competitive and stay out there as long as they could. I mean, Adeline winning that second set 
was really tough at six. I mean, she's been struggling lately, but has really turned things around recently. And so I thought that was a huge performance. I mean, Celine was the only person on our team winning in the first set. So that the beginning of singles was also rough. Um, speaking a little bit about the doubles point, we were just nervous, you know, a team that hasn't hosted many NCAA tournaments, playing a team we're familiar with, playing a team that we had success against earlier in the season. It was a little bit reminiscent of that Tennessee match with the SEC tournament. And so I think we had a little bit of a hurdle to get over and a little bit of a mountain to climb after that, but it was great to see. I mean, we're a resilient team. We're a tough team. The the wins and, and the points come from every spot. It hasn't been one spot doing great. It's every single spot has their moment and they always know that they embrace that they embrace. It's going to be a different for every single match. And so uh, to me, it was all six. It was all six stepping up to playing their role, bringing their piece to the puzzle. Um, and certainly Georgia tech played some great tennis. I mean, towards the end of that match, the level was really high. Yeah, it was an exceptional match, and as you mentioned, four matches end up going three sets, which as a college tennis fan is all you can ask for. Now, I've asked other coaches this, but I'm curious uh, to hear your answer. You mentioned the idea that we could find four points in different ways. Burden or blessing for you as a coach? Blessing. Absolutely. You know, I think it's really cool when you can share the wealth. Uh, I think it's really special. (laughs) And and there's moments. I mean, I I tell everyone you're going to have your moment where, where you hiccup and that's a part of being an athlete. I mean, you could be the leading scorer on your basketball team and you might finish with two points, but when your team has your back, uh, it's a, it's a special team and it's a special culture. And I think that's what this team feels that they might hiccup. They might have a bad day. They might have a bad performance. Um, there might be things going on that they can't necessarily control. Their opponent might play the match of their life. Uh, but at the same time, they always know their team has their back, which allows them to play their style of tennis, even under pressure. And they know, I mean, our staff is going to be incredibly proud of them, whether they win or lose. If they if they hang it on the line, and they put it out there. They know that they're going to hear nothing from us but good things. Um, and so I think they play fearless. And, and when you're a coach and you have a team that plays fearless and you know that you have a, a, de- a deep team, uh, you have a strong team at every position, you, you certainly put yourself in a position to earn opportunities against whoever you play. Yeah. And, you know, again, with that depth in mind, I want to talk about a couple of seniors on your roster. I want to start with Georgie, who has been obviously exceptional this season. You look at the numbers, she's 20 and five in dual match play and singles and has obviously been contributing on the doubles court as well. She's one of the members of your team. And I think the only member of your team who had previously reached a sweet 16 back in 2018. And I don't think she was on the roster in 17, but you never know with COVID nowadays who was on the roster. <laughs> How long she was. been here? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Six <laughs> years, seven years. Like there's a Michigan uh, senior, Nick Beatty, who was a f- freshman in college when I was a senior. And I'm like, oh, wow. if you're, yeah, I'm like, if you're still in school, something bad has happened or something great. It's making you feel really young. I think you should take that. Yeah, exactly. Too. I'm like, I used to be this little pipsqueak. What happened? Yeah. Um, but, you know, for Georgie to come through on her home courts the way that she did and just the way she's consistently contributed talk to me about the leadership she's brought in which clicked for her this season yeah she's a great example of someone who struggled early mm-hmm. you know I, she was putting a lot of pressure on herself early in the spring season uh, to to put points on the board she's putting a lot of pressure on herself to perform and I think she really had to realize that this team can be successful with or without her and I think that was a burden that she was bearing a little bit from last year when Taylor Russo went out with that knee injury yeah. she felt like I have to win for this team to win and she brought that into this year and so I think the blessing for us was early on she struggled and the team did not 
struggle. And so I think she saw, man, we have a really deep team. We have a really strong team. We have people that can step up to the plate when they need to step up to the plate. And I think that's what really allowed her to settle in this year. She's always tough. I mean, Georgie's one of the most fun players to coach because she has so much stuff. She has so many options. She has so many tools. She has so many skills and she's very cerebral. So she processes information quickly. And so when you're talking about a player who has a lot of options and she can think her way through matches, it's really fun to coach her. You know, she might play a, a tougher set and someone comes out guns blazing, but you always know she's going to find a way into matches. She's our most consistent performer on the practice court. She's incredibly consistent with what she brings. I think overall, she brings a sense of calm. She brings a sense of ease and her belief in her teammates and her belief in her team is something that means a lot to her teammates. You know, her belief in them is what allows them to believe in themselves. Yeah, and again, the numbers speak for themselves. She's been excellent. I mean, you can look across the board with you know some of the the performances you've gotten. And I know, it, does you Chen have one more year left? She does, but she's okay. going to be finished. She's going to go to grad school and get an MBA. Yeah, that's not a bad decision. I'm going to yeah. go ahead. And, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna, that checks out. That works. But you know, last season she's in the top three of your lineup, and mm-hmm. obviously this year with the depth you guys added and the improvements on your roster, she's moved into that bottom three spot. Now, you know, again, rather than argue or complain, 21 and four overall mm-hmm. this season. Talk to me about what you've seen from her. The thing with you, Chen, is when we got here, she was playing low. And then the first two years, she really earned her opportunity to play high. And it's tough, like you said, I mean, for someone who's a senior to go from playing two, three in the lineup to five, six in the lineup, uh, takes a very humble person, you know, and she's embraced that role. She's, she hasn't, she's always been a worker. She's always been someone who will put in extra work and put in extra work for her teammates as well. It's not all, all about her, but I think the thing to me is her humility. You know, she doesn't care where she's playing. She wants to play. And Georgie embraces that too. They don't, they don't care that they're playing at the bottom of the lineup. They want to be playing and they want to be contributing. And I think that when you have someone who's selfless enough to do that and to take a step back and realize there's some young players, players on this roster that have tremendous upside, that work hard, that put themselves in a position uh, to play a bit higher. Uh, she, she's embraced that and she supported them. I think that the neatest thing for me as a coach has been watching her support them in doubles. You know, she's so loud. She's so supportive. She's so positive. She's in, as invested as when they play doubles, as when she's playing her own singles. Yeah. And again, I think that's a testament to the culture and just a testament to her humility. Um, and she's tough. I mean, I would not want to be play, playing her at five or six in the lineup. <laughs> Uh, she plays heavy. She plays physical. She can move that ball around. Uh, she's definitely stepped up and had a tremendous year for us as well. Mm-hmm. And obviously, as a fellow MBA, you're probably like, let's go. You're like, yeah, it's, not a, yeah, <laughs> it's a great choice. I definitely didn't get a 750 on my GMAT, though. <laughs> so yeah. I think she solidified herself as probably 99th percentile in the world with that. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to let her have that credit. But yeah, yes. she absolutely smoked the GMAT. Uh, and is going to go earn her MBA somebody somewhere. That's a win, no doubt it's about absolutely that. Absolutely win. And you know, again, you talk about the energy being brought in doubles as well. Looking at your team, forty-three and twenty-one overall individual double sets. I think if I told any coach across the country, you're going to win two-thirds of your sets, they'll take it. The big thing, and I know you only have an eight-person roster, but you guys have played five different doubles pairings, I believe, throughout the course of this season. In particular, you've really stuck with, you know, Axon and Flack and Arsenal and Ovunk and Ansari and Meredith. What has led to, I mean, are you a coach who prefers to play through any issues you might see as opposed to constantly tinkering? 
Yeah, I think that I've always been one that is a big believer in synergy. Okay. You know, you learn your partner, you learn what they like to do under pressure, you learn how they handle pressure. And so I think that to be a great partner, you have to know how to approach your partner in great moments and in difficult moments. And I think that takes time. So it's kind of that time under tension model where if, if someone has a bad match, they have a bad match. I'm not going to really tinker with our singles lineup. So if someone has a bad match in doubles, I'm not really one to tinker with our doubles much, especially with the success that we've had. It's always been different pairings. You know, Celine and Ariana started off really hot in the SEC season, which helped us a ton. Carolyn and Maddie started off really hot in, in the regular season or in a non-conference segment, struggled a bit at the beginning of the SEC and then really turned it on again. And so they've all had their moments. I think the style of doubles that we play really means that they have to be supportive of each other. We play super aggressive doubles. We like to come forward. Um, I want them poaching a ton. And, and if we're losing doubles points playing the right way, I don't think it's necessarily a, an issue of pairings. I think it's a more an issue of execution. So that's just me and, and my staff doing a bit better job of getting them to be able to put away the volleys and overheads so they can continue to play better as the match progresses. But I've loved what I've seen this year in doubles. I mean, compared to the last couple years, when I first got here, I was like, we have a long way to go in doubles. Uh, we've come a long way. So I'm pleased. Uh, and, and like I tell them, the doubles point is nice to have. We've proven throughout the year we don't have to have it. I think there's some doubles or some teams that feel like they have to have it. That last year at Kansas, I think we lost one doubles point. We'd go into the doubles point, and I felt we have to win this doubles point because I have no <laughs> idea how we're going to handle losing the doubles point. Uh, but I, I don't feel that way about this team because they've certainly been really tough after winning or losing doubles points, and they've all had their moments. They've had their moments where they've been great. They've had their moments where they struggled. But I think they know that that stability in the lineup allows them to play the style that they want. Mm -hmm. And this is a bit of a tangent here, but when you're coaching and teaching doubles and you talk about the strides you all have made over the past two years, do you teach the mechanics first? So to your point, the poaching and the aggression you want to teach, or do you teach the energy first? Because when I watch doubles, I just think nowadays it's one set, no ad scoring. It's a sprint to the finish mm -hmm. line. And to me, it's so frequently, it's the team that comes out with more energy, even beyond mm -hmm. execution that wins. Yeah, your energy cannot be dictated by the score. Yeah. So that's one thing we talk about a lot is like we better have unbelievable energy down 4-1, just like we would if we had unbelievable energy when we we're up 4-1. So I think that energy piece is really important. I think some coaches really tailor their doubles to the skill set that they have. I want to teach this skill set so they can fit our double system. Okay. And so I know that takes time. And so we, we do spend a lot of time on X's and O's. I think there's some players that come into college and they have a really good understanding of doubles. I mean, I'd say Taylor Russo was one of those players for us last year like her natural instinct on the double score was really, really good. So she may not have known why she was doing it, but naturally she just knew where the ball was going to be and she could read the court. Well, some players take a little bit longer to learn that, but I do believe everyone can learn it. Uh, everyone's capable of learning it, but that synergy I was talking about, uh, that's that's not always natural. Sometimes that art, that's artificial. Like you have to come out and make that for your doubles team. So we do talk about that quite a bit, uh, but we do the X's and O's as well. So I'd say it's a little bit of a balance, but like you said, I mean, one no ad set, you come out and hit some big serves, you hit some big second serve returns and it's probably over. That's how I know you've never seen me play because I promise I could not learn it. Let's just throw that out <laughs> No, there, you right? could. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Um, well, you know, again, with all these things in mind, I want to ask about your team. And as we look towards the sweet, 16. I know there's still tennis to be played, but if you had to name a team MVP of the 2022 Auburn season, who would you go with? Oh, that's a really tough question. I think every week it would change. Yeah, sure. <laughs> one week it might be one. Uh, the next week it might be someone different. I would definitely go with Georgie. I think her experience, uh, her experience on the big stage, her 
ownership of her tennis has been huge, but just her belief in her team has been unwavering. I think she provides such a great leadership for us. She's really calm. She's collected under pressure. I think she has such a sound tennis mind um, and she's not afraid to speak her mind. So I think when I think of someone on our team, that's great at holding others accountable. I think she does a really good job, but it's easy to hold someone accountable when you're so consistent with what you bring. You know, there hasn't been a moment where I feel like Georgie has really been a hypocrite or has said one thing and done another. That's just not her personality. And so there was a time where she wasn't sure she was going to come back this year. She finished her MBA. She, she was all set with a job in Wichita to work for Coke industries. I mean, she was all set and she actually had to say no to that opportunity to play because of OPT things and visa struggles. And so we had a conversation even in the winter and I was like, Georgie, I'm supportive of what you want to do. You know, this is your career. This is your life. Uh, this is, this is more than tennis. And she's like, no, I really want to come back. And this is my last semester of tennis. Like I want to enjoy it. I, I feel like there's something that's left on undid a little bit. Like there's more for me to do. There's more for this team to do. And so I think her sacrifice and her willingness to say, I'll find another job. Like my career can wait another semester was really selfless. And I think she's, she's shown, that this program means a lot to her um, and we would not be where we are today without her yeah well first of all I appreciate one out of every three coaches usually just goes how about my assistant and, and yeah I appreciate <laughs> that you didn't say that about Megan that's a nice message for her uh, as well I do but, feel that about Megan yeah, too no, <laughs> she's absolutely. the ice to my fire we knew that yeah I like it but you you talk about sacrifice and I don't want to describe this as a sacrifice but I would imagine a 10 and 12 record would be frustrating for everyone and that's what Celine has at the number one spot for you and yet you know because again we were fortunate enough to call so many different matches through Throughout the course of the season, I go back to her victory over Sarah Hamner, where she played exceptional tennis. And I still feel as though Celine made massive strides this season. Talk to me about the development you saw from her at the number one spot. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, Celine is playing the toughest spot in the lineup. Yeah. You know, when you look at our schedule and you look at the, the quality of players that she's played, there's no points off. There's no games off. There's no matches off. There's not, I can have a bad day and I'll be okay. Yeah. Um, so I think what I love about Celine is there's been moments pretty much every year that she's played here that there's been struggles, you know, but she's resilient and her resilience and her willingness to invest in herself. Uh, her practice habits have drastically improved since she got here. Her willingness to make herself uncomfortable on the practice court has drastically improved. Um, and she knows she knows when when she wasn't where she needed to be. And she owns that, you know, her first year here. I think she had a hard time taking responsibility for things. Um, and that's normal. You know, you're 18. You don't know what that looks like. The standard here is high. I demand a lot from her as I demand a lot from everyone. And I think she's really stepped up into that role. Uh, she's played some great tennis and she's honestly played some unbelievable tennis down the stretch. She's fallen short a couple in those matches, but her match against Mertain at the SEC tournament, her match against Carolee at Georgia Tech, that was an exceptionally high level, you know, and, and we're working through some video and trying to find ways for her to be a little, execute a little bit better down the stretch. But what I love about Celine is the style that she plays. I mean, that kid's aggressive. That kid can come out and absolutely rip. That kid will be all over the baseline, you know, and that tennis is risky tennis, but it's also calculated risky tennis. And so there's been times in the past where I feel like she's wavered from her style, where she's gotten too two defenses or she's played scared under pressure. I haven't seen that from her this year. You know, I've seen a kid that's willing to play gutsy. I've seen a kid that's willing to play to win. And I've seen a kid that's willing to play the right way under pressure. And that's only going to continue to get better. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely proud of her. Definitely think she's come a long way uh, with, with her temperament. She's come a long way with her competitiveness. She's come a long way with her leadership um, and only the best is yet to come. I mean, she's barely tapped into her potential, her athleticism. You watch her do non-tennis things and she's such a great natural 
athlete, yeah. um, that, that as she continues to mature and work her way through embracing playing at the top of our lineup, uh, she'll only continue to do better. Would have been a great zag there if you're like, ah, I think she's tapped out. Like, this yeah. is probably the ceiling. I don't know if it's going to get any better from here. But well, no, yeah, I'm... watch her do some plyometrics and you're like, wow. Yeah, just the quick foot. You're just, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, again, in that spirit of improvement, who'd you give the most improved player award to? This year, I would probably go with Ariana. Mm-hmm. I think Carolyn has shown tremendous improvement, as has Adeline. Uh, Carolyn, I would say probably last year would have been our most improved, sure. but Ariana this year's our most improved. Obviously she wasn't with us last year, so I can't really speak a ton to her tennis last year because I didn't get to see her much. Um, but for her to step up and not having played singles and dual matches before, and, and to be, in my opinion, one of the best players to not make the NCAA singles tournament and to be knocking on that door and the way that she's handled playing high in the lineup, playing one doubles and two singles, her maturity, her work ethic, her willingness to embrace a new culture, a new team, a new place. Uh, I don't think I definitely, and I've told her this, she has exceeded every expectation I had of her um, in regards to how she works, how she's playing. And and to me, she's barely tapping into her potential as well. Another really good athlete, but has certainly shown a ton of growth and, and is an absolutely great kid. I mean, she's a pleasure to work with, an awesome addition to our team and fits our culture really well. Yeah, no, I mean, as someone who was once upon a time a transfer portal superstar yourself, I'm curious again. Yeah, the, yeah, that was days way before the portal. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. There was no portal. It's just like I'm. You didn't show back up in 20, you know, 2009, and they're like, oh, she's gone. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, there was no parse bomb for you. Yeah, it was no, like, yeah, no, you no. got the zoo tennis blog post a month later. As yeah. soon as the first scoreboard <laughs> came up, but when I was actually on the roster, my people yeah. were like, oh, she left. Exactly. Um, but with that in mind what a lot you know again how difficult is that transition to go from one culture to the next and what allowed ariana to thrive so quickly i think the biggest thing for ariana is she wanted to play yeah. and she had that hunger to play and i think last year georgia was stacked with a lot of kids that were really really seasoned veterans you know you had a five and six that were both top 10 in the country singles all americans it's a tough lineup to crack yeah. and so i think that she became a little discouraged because she wasn't playing and wanted to play um, I think when you're when you're looking to recruit a transfer, you're looking for that hunger. You're looking for that grit. You're looking for that desire. You're looking for someone who still wants to improve, especially as a development development oriented program. And so I think in conversations with her, the biggest thing was, hey, I want to play and I want to earn it. It's not that I want to be given. I don't want to go somewhere where I'm guaranteed to play. Because that's why I told her, I can't promise you that you're going to play here. I can promise you that we'll do everything in our power to make you better. I can promise that we'll do everything in our power to help you grow and help you develop. But I'm never going to promise someone a lineup. Spot. I'm never going to promise someone they're going to play one. I'm never going to promise someone they're, they're going to play a spot just because of what they've accomplished before they've gotten to school. And so my biggest thing was, hey, do you want to get better and you want to improve and you want to have a shot? You know, this is a good spot. You know, I think I'm a big believer in the SEC. I'm a big believer in SEC tennis. I know that she is as well. Uh, to, to watch her compete throughout the season in the SEC, to watch her handle competing against Georgia. I mean, that was incredible to see, incredible for her to handle that moment the way that she did. But she's tough. I mean, that kid is really, really tough. She's resilient. She has the support of her family and her coaches back home. Um, and she certainly has stepped up in big ways for us this year. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, again, talking about stepping up, I am curious as we try to set the scene for all these college tennis fans before the round of 16, if you were to pick one match, one victory, we'll assume that define, you know, that would best epitomize and capture the team, your team's effort and your season, which match would you pick? Ooh, that's a really good question. 
I think I'd say Arizona State. Yeah, that, yeah, was, that, that was the hidden shot. Really. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, that entire match, I mean, it it looked like we were going to lose that match about 4-1 or 4-0 in about an hour and a half. <laughs> uh, and we were nervous and we were tight and Arizona State was playing some great tennis and they're making us super uncomfortable. And to see our one through four do what they did in the last 30 minutes of that match was exceptional, you know? And I think it was, I always knew this team was great and I knew this team had potential. I thought that we had underachieved a little bit in the fall. We put too much pressure on ourselves. We knew that we were good and we put so much pressure on ourselves to perform. And we went out there against Arizona state um, and fought the way that we did, even when we faced tremendous adversity throughout that entire match I think they got it. And it was like a light went off in their head that they're like, wow, we can get, we can get points from anywhere. And it doesn't matter what the score is. We always have a shot, you know, cause they're fighters. You know, we don't have people that have bad attitudes. We don't have people that struggle with that. Um, or if they do struggle with it, they have rituals and things to work with. But I would say that match to me really showed the resilience of this team, a resilience I always saw in practice, but a resilience that maybe on the national scene, people hadn't seen yet. Um, there's been some great moments. I thought our bounce back at Florida after losing a really tough match on the road to South Carolina was great to see. Um, we did some really good things in the SEC season, but that Arizona State match, the way that we handled being down and the way that we handled pressure show, was indicative of the growth that we had gone through over the last couple of years. Yeah, and I mean, again, to have that result early in the season to get to the NCA, uh, to get to the ITA, excuse me, national indoors, not only does that help you with the rankings, but gets you a shot at looking at some of these other top 16 teams in the country with that in mind you could replay any match from the season which are you picking oof replay one yeah. <laughs> i mean i'd take texas a&m for sure <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if we could lay a bigger egg than that <laughs> i think i'd probably take that one um i do think texas a&m played some really really good tennis in that match they deserve a lot of that credit think their kids handled pressure exceptionally well uh, throughout the year. I mean, they were hunted almost every match that they played and they, nece- they hadn't necessarily experienced that all that much compared to some, some schools in our conference. And so all the credit to them, but I do think we, we definitely had a bit of a higher level in us. Uh, we didn't handle ourselves well. We didn't handle the fans well. We didn't handle the conditions well. And so I took that one pretty personally. I didn't feel like I had my team prepared and I was, I was vocal to that, to my administration, like, Hey, I, this will never happen again as long as I'm at Auburn. Like I will have them prepared. And so I think that Texan Am jumped on us a little bit and, and would love to just replay that and, and maybe settle in a little bit early so we can make the match a bit more competitive. I don't think anybody likes to take a lump like that. Yeah. For the record, that was the answer I anticipated. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was the right <laughs> that answer. That Ohio State match, like <laughs> still <laughs> being up at 5-1 in the third. And I guess that's to watch Yu Chen do what she did to finish that Georgia Tech match was redemptive for her. You know, I think that with the way that she put herself in a position to finish that Ohio state match and fall short, we talked to her afterwards and said, you're gonna have another opportunity. Like this is not your last three all moment. And I didn't, I was like, I don't know when it's going to come. I don't know, but it it will come and, and you will embrace that. And to see what she did and handle herself was really cool, especially as a senior. I mean, you don't get to experience that much with your teams. So I am incredibly proud of her. See, I was told in the locker room after you were like, we're not doing that anymore. Four (laughs) one only, or I'm just quitting. Like, we're just going to stop. I can't handle this. Yeah, it's too much. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, with that in mind, and 
I, you know, I happened to be on the call for that Ohio State Auburn match, one of my favorite matches of the season, and I certainly think you know that Georgia Tech match epitomizes it. This weekend, you feel like we're going to see a lot of four-three matches. Mm-hmm. Again, you're not that far removed from your college tennis mm-hmm. playing days. With that perspective in mind, even in the past ten years, is the depth in college tennis at another level? I think so. I mean, I just think that talent is distributed. Yeah. You know, it's much more distributed than it used to be. I think that people are recruiting really well internationally and in the U.S. Um, so that talent's distributing a little bit more. I think players are making more decisions based on relationships, the relationship that they have with coaches. And I think that that distribution of talent has made things incredibly competitive. You know, I think there were years when I was in school and I think of that Stanford team that had Barté and Gibbs and mm-hmm. <laughs> all those, I mean, all those girls and, and you're looking at, three out of the top four, top hundred WTA. I mean, that's a tough team. Like, I'm like, I don't know if I see that in college tennis right now. I'm not saying that teams aren't capable of that. We'll see in the next 10 years, what people do. But I think as that talent gets distributed, you just see a, a depth that college tennis has, has, hasn't seen, hasn't had since I've been around college tennis. And I think that's really exciting. It's exciting to see some new faces. I think what Audra's done at OU is exceptional. I mean, to see OU uh, a perennial top five team and, and, and competing on that stage. I don't think any anyone would have thought OU tennis would get there. You know, they're not one of those blue blood programs. They're not one of those laundry schools. Uh, so I do think that it's, it's really cool to see. It's neat to see. It's neat to see players going to schools uh, based on relationships instead of just names. Yeah, well, it's interesting you bring up Oklahoma because, and I make it a point if I'm going to say something on a podcast, I want to say to the coach as well. I called you guys Oklahoma with worse press in that what you guys are doing this season is, again, you may, and I know round of 16 for the NCAA tournament 2017, 2018 Mm -hmm. as well, but for your team to reach the Sweet 16 and to have also reached that final 16 in the national indoor field, I mean, it was an unequivocal step forward for the Auburn women's tennis program this season, correct? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I'm proud of our girls. I thought last year we were positioned really well before Taylor went down. I think, and Taylor going down didn't necessarily hurt our talent so much as it was really hard for us to deal with. You know, to have a kid tear an ACL in the middle of the match, um, and to and to just be like, oh my gosh, it was just shocking. And so I think that that was that was tough, but. I'm really proud of them. I think we we went through the transition this year of hunting to being hunted. Yeah. And I think that's a really different experience. And I, and I tell them all the time, that's a privilege. You know, there aren't that many teams in the country that get to be hunted week in and week out. And with the SEC, the way that it was this year, there were some really good teams that didn't make the tournament that were fully capable. I mean, yeah. you look at some of those rosters and those are some really, really good teams ranked in the top 50 that just missed out on the NCAA tournament. And I think that when you deal with being hunted, you learn how to deal with the pressure of being expected to win. And I think that that's a pressure that, that equips you for everything. It equips you for life. It equips you uh, for dealing with matches. You potentially are a little bit of an underdog. So I, I do like the transition we went through. I know that we took some steps forward. I know this team's not satisfied. This team's hungry. I think that hunger has come to be a defining a defining milestone or a defining characteristic of them. Um, but I am incredibly proud of the progress that we've made. Yeah, I know. I, I say it all the time. LSU's the best five and 14 team I've ever seen. Like, so good. Yeah. At I full can, strength. At I full know. Strength, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's a whole different ball game. And so, yeah, yeah. it speaks to the depth. I mean, Vanderbilt as hot as a team as you're going to yes. find in the country right I now. I think Ole Miss played some yeah. really good tennis this year. No, I would. I like the Mississippi State top two. Should we do this? Yep. Do you want to just go through all the teams? Yeah. But with that in mind, obviously, again, Sweet 16 coming up for all of you this weekend. You're on the road at Texas. And, you know, I want to talk about that matchup specifically. But first, big picture. 
Super regional, massive Sweet 16 site. Which do you prefer? Oof, really good question. So I would never, obviously as a player, I got to do the massive Sweet 16 site. Um, as a coach at Kansas, we did the Super Regional at Stanford. Um, I so, But we didn't make the Elite Eight, so I don't know what that feel was at the final site. And so I don't know if I can speak completely to it. I like the idea of 16 teams at a site, but I also think it's a huge burden on the players and it's a huge burden on practice. You know, to have a facility that can that can adequately host 32 teams with accommodations off the court, accommodations on the court. I would think that just the, the level of care that someone can provide to 16 teams opposed to 32 is significant. Um, and I think it's exciting throughout the year as well to try to position yourself to be top eight. You know, it's not just a run to host those first two rounds. Now you kind of have that extra run to then host, host that super regional. And so I like the idea of a super regional. Again, I think that the treatment of, of having 16 teams is a little bit easier to handle sites can handle that a little bit better and manage that a little better. Um, and I also think that with kids and individuals and doubles, it was a long haul if you lost in that sweet 16 and you waited around to individuals. So I think it's more manageable without a doubt. Um, do I miss that sweet 16 feel of all the teams being in one site, that energy, that buzz, of course, but I do think that, that you can create some of that budget buzz at a super regional. And I think you have a little bit more of a buzz throughout the year because it really matters uh, that you position yourself to try to host that super regional as well. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think we need an Omaha as well? Meaning a central hub where each year we're, you know, in Orlando, the Mecca, hundred courts, you can practice everywhere. It feels like that is a facility available. Does college tennis need that? Yeah, I would love that. Mm -hmm. I'm a big, I'm a big supporter of that. I think the hard thing is to get it away from some of these schools that have so much tradition. A Georgia has so much tradition <laughs> and I get that. Um, but I think that having one site, being able to market that it's a yeah. consistent product. That's something we talk about a lot in, in different coaches meetings is making sure that our product's consistent, making sure that we have an avenue to get ourselves on TV an avenue to increase exposure. And I think that that only helps with that. I think that's why softball does it the way that they do baseball does it the way that they do. And I think that that consistent, product and consistent marketing really gives you that leg up. And so I think when you look at hosting the NCAA tournament, now you're looking at negotiating TV contracts, you know, you're looking at trying to get these TV or tennis channel or all these, these different venues interested. And I think when you have it in one spot and you develop those relationships, it becomes a little bit easier. And so maybe I'm, I'm a little biased because Orlando is <laughs> not very far from us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Florida feels one way about that too. Yeah. Uh, but I, I love the idea of Orlando. I think they have the facilities do it. I think they have the staff to do it. I think it's incredibly professional every time it's hosted there. Uh, so I'm definitely a supporter of that. Yeah. For whatever it's worth, during that answer, your MBA was showing. Um, but yeah, <laughs> no. yeah, no, with all of that in mind, last two questions for you. Uh, let's start with a fun one. 2019 Kansas most underrated team of the past five years. Like that was one of my favorite, like, just watching you guys from, that was one of my favorite teams that again, when you won the big 12 championship, those who follow hardcore, wasn't that shocking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually think that's one of my worst coaching performances <laughs> because I think we were way better than that. Like I, was like, I just, it was really interesting. We had 
we had a great team and a great cult, a great chemistry, great culture. I just don't think I did a great job that year. You know, and I told Todd that I was like, I really let you down. I let the girls down. Um, I think that we were better than, than being 14 or whatever we were going into the tournament. Um, that match at Stanford definitely sits in the pit of my stomach. Um, I knew that we would have opportunities. I knew that we put ourselves in a great position and we fell a little bit short, but incredibly fun team to coach, incredibly gifted team to coach, but I do. And, and obviously having NOS on our staff, now I joke yeah. with her. I'm like, that was literally my worst year of coaching. And we did so well. <laughs> it's like, I'm irrelevant. Like, I'm absolutely irrelevant. I'll tell you this though. If that's the floor, it's not yeah. the worst floor. Like it's, that's a good floor to start at. Uh, yeah. Yeah. With all that in mind, and again, I'm going to reserve the right to bring you back on the show. Cause I do have more questions for you, but the final one, obviously Texas defending national champs as hot as any team in the country right now. Uh, what's it going to take for your team to knock them off and to continue to advance in this tournament? The number one thing for us is believing that what we have is enough. I think when you play a team that's hot, when you play a team that's good, uh, when you play a team that's had a lot of success on the national stage, it's really easy to fall in the trap of thinking you have to do more. Um, of thinking you have to play differently, of thinking you have to play bigger, of thinking you have to go closer to the lines. And that's not the case. You know, sometimes those teams rely on that. They rely on you pressing a little bit and feeling like you have to do extra. So my, my message to them is trust your stuff and trust your team. You know, you have more than enough skills. We work on developing different, a, a wide arsenal and a different arsenal of skills for each of our players. And if you play within yourselves and you trust your team and you trust your preparation, you'll play the way you want to play. And so we're excited to get out there. We're excited to compete against a team that, that, that obviously has earned the respect of, of every program in the country, a staff that's earned the re- respect of every coaching staff in the country. But if they, if they play within themselves and we're able to control our nerves and play the tennis we're capable of playing, um, I definitely know we're going to earn opportunities on every single court. Howard overrated. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, I, I again, it, it's going to be a really fun match. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things we've all enjoyed most watching your team compete this season, as you alluded early to earlier, is you're going to be competitive everywhere. There, No one's getting rolled over and it's going to be mm-hmm. a fight uh, to the end. And so obviously, Coach Lee, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us here today. And uh, I've really enjoyed watching your team perform all season long. And again, Auburn tennis, men's side, women's side, it's all mm-hmm. clicking. Uh, yeah, it's there, getting better. So, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So looking forward to watching your team compete and obviously having the chance to chat with you hopefully again soon. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Take care. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with another head coach of a Sweet 16-bound college tennis team. A huge thank you both to this coach and every coach for taking the time to chat with us here at Cracked Rackets. Again, trying to set the scene for all of you listeners down the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. I've been immensely flattered by the reception we have gotten from all of these coaches who are so willing to participate in this exercise. And again, try to set the scene 
for all of you listeners, try to make sure you maximize your enjoyment through these final few weeks of the college tennis season. The plan here is to interview all 32 remaining head coaches. Now, it's only a success if we hit all 32. So I promise you, listeners, that will be our goal, as that is what we were able to accomplish last season. Again, you can find all of those podcasts here on this feed. You can find them on our website, crackrackets.com. A shout out, as always, to super producer Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos. He has a f- of an editing job to do this week, makes all of this content possible. So shout out to him. Shout out to our friends at Swing Vision as well. Again, learn more about the Swing Vision app by clicking on the link in the description to this show. With all of that said, for our fantastic guest, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>